0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask
0: the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Jeff Kleins, Chief Information Officer for the state of South Dakota, the Commissioner of the Bureau of Information and Telecommunications. So welcome to Ask the CIO SLED edition, our state and local program. Jeff, it's nice to have you on the air. Thank you, John. Great to be here. Uh, you know, it's always interesting. I've, over the last year and a half now with Federal News Network, I've interviewed probably 35 or 40 states, mostly state CIOs, a number of other politicians and office holders and such, but it's always nice to I hear about the unique backgrounds of so many of uh, your colleagues. Yeah, I get a kick out of some of them. I know James Collins in Delaware was a dental technician in the Air Force, and John McMillan actually was a tech support officer for the Canadian Department of Defense. But my favorite is my uh, colleague, several times removed, the state CIO in Massachusetts, Kurt Wood began his career in prison. Not as a convict. He was a correctional officer. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's all over the place. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about your career before your appointment as CEO uh, back in April this year by Governor Christie Nolan?
1: So, my career path up into technology started when I was very young. My dad uh, started in technology. He was a trained architect and then made the transition to technology when he was at a company called Lockheed or Martin Marietta, but then they were later bought out by Lockheed. And he was uh, the type where we bring computers home and let us play with them and take them apart and really understand how they work. And that developed just a passion of, you know, understanding how technology works and then how to get it to do certain things. Um, Pair that with a passion of mine and helping others um, kind of married the two. So I started my career really in technology in the non-for-profit world. I worked for the American Heart Association for about uh, 15 years in various different roles. And I really enjoyed the opportunity to make a difference in the world. Fast forward, uh, when I lived in Illinois, um, the opportunity came to uh, make the transition to public service as the CIO for the uh, Illinois Secretary of State. Looking for a new challenge and opportunity to help in a different way. So I uh, started there. I spent two years with the Secretary of State Trying to uh, implement technology in a way that would help move the state forward. And as I was there, the opportunity arose to uh, interview for the position here in South Dakota. Did you uh, relocate to
0: Illinois before you got the uh, Secretary of State's job, or is that.
1: Uh, I did. Uh, the uh, technology structure at the American Heart Association uh, was a virtual thing. So uh, I had team members all across the country, and uh, we just worked remotely uh, most of the time with the American Heart Association get together every once in a while but uh it was a virtual uh, technology organization uh-huh
0: well now let's talk about your appointment so was there the proverbial uh nationwide search that uh, found you out of uh springfield to get you to come to pierre
1: yeah um i'm not i can't speak much to the actual search uh, i got a call from a you know somebody and they said would you be interested in uh interviewing and uh, put throwing your hat in the ring and uh i jumped at the chance and had a couple interviews over the phone. Had the opportunity to drive out to here in uh, oh, February, which I'm not sure was the smartest decision. We were driving out at the temperature with negative 35 degrees, but uh, we still fell in love with it here and uh, made the move. Well, the uh, the weather
0: was one challenge, I guess, but I also got to think it must have given you some pause to take a job like that right at the beginning of the you know hundred year pandemic, as it were.
1: That must have and calculated in your decision, huh? I think in technology we face challenges all the time. Um, I didn't think that this was a uh, unique enough challenge, uh, given some of the other you know opportunities to do things. Uh, but uh, I saw it as an opportunity to leverage some of my skill set and experience working in a virtual environment as well, trying to help lead the technology organization and things uh, into a kind of a different culture. Is uh, working from home can be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about this for a minute. Uh, You know, the 800-pound gorilla and all that, the pandemic, let's talk about the impact in South Dakota. I know that certainly your state has one of the fewest numbers of uh, fatalities, so you must be doing something right. Tell us a little bit about the the situation as it uh, has elapsed and also about your strategy and your implementation of your continuity of operations, as it were.
1: Yeah, so I think the the, uh, the big kudos for the way South Dakota is handled it, it goes to the people of South Dakota. I really appreciate Governor Gnome's approach where she has been very uh, proactive in saying, you know, this is our responsibility to state. We all have responsibilities to do the right thing. She did not dictate a lot of uh, directions to people, but encouraged personal responsibility. And I think the culture here has been where people just step up to that and recognize their responsibility. Now how we've uh, looked at it in uh, as far as, as far as state technology we did I think we faced a challenge a lot like other states where uh all of a sudden we're forced into this work from home environment, but uh, we stepped up we had a lot of the underlying technology already in place, so it was a matter of just trying to get a few tweaks here and there to uh get people set up and working uh, effectively from home
0: yeah, that's interesting uh from my research, it seems like uh, South Dakota was one of those states that really didn't have a rigorous lockdown like so many others have. But obviously, uh, as you just mentioned, you must have had a, uh, a remote workforce implemented during this time. Tell us about the challenges with that. Did you have the kind of devices, and mobile devices, to get enough people to be able to work uh, remotely, as along with the private software licenses and, and the
1: like? Well, I think uh, if we had been able to have more devices to get people to work from home, it would have made things a little bit easier. Um, we went in and tweaked a lot of our desktops to be able to send them home where having a laptop would have been a lot nicer. Some of the other things that we we did, uh, we took some of our VoIP phones and extended uh, the connection so we could get people at home back on the phone, you know, interacting and working with the public. They may not have been able to do 100% of what they needed to do from... Uh, the phone, but they were able to provide a lot of the service, uh, a lot of the core service they needed to anyway from that environment. So it huge kudos go out to, you know, different agencies for thinking outside of the box and trying to leverage what we could to really deliver those services to the citizens.
0: Were most uh, state employees uh, working remotely or how was the mix?
1: Oh uh, yeah, a good chunk for uh, several months there. Uh, most everybody was working remotely. There were a few that uh, needed to be on-site, you know, we had the people that were in the building keeping them clean and sanitized and things. So uh, a large chunk uh, were working from home. There were some that their jobs just couldn't be done remotely. So they uh, had some admin leave and things they took to uh, be able to wait the time out.
0: Mm -hmm. I want to shift down and talk about your CIO governance model in South Dakota. Uh, It's a very passionate area for me, having experienced uh, various levels of, uh, of it across the country. Um, I know that your, your office is part, you're a member of the governor's cabinet as a commissioner of uh, information and telecommunications. It's an evolving role for the CIO. Last time I talked with our friend Doug Robinson, NASIO he told me there were just over a dozen state CIOs who are actually cabinet members now. And with each election, it seems like there's gonna, there's a few more. So so you have policy, budget, and operational responsibilities, I assume? Yes. So tell us about that cabinet-level department and how you deal with your peers and the governor in terms of uh, overall strategy for IT.
1: So a little bit of background that may help clarify this. So the Bureau of Information and Telecommunications was formed about 24 years ago. Um, So all of the IT functions were really uh, consolidated in the 90s, which I think was a visionary uh, move. I can't remember the name of the governor that uh, implemented that off the top of my head, but uh, so really what our mission is, is to manage and deliver technology solutions for all state agencies. And even that, that crosses uh, govern- elected officials as well. So we, we serve everybody there. So our responsibilities, as Luz mentioned, on the policy side is, you know, obviously cybersecurity and uh, technology standards and uh, things like that. Um, the budget, we have the similar chargeback or, you know, you know, funding model as other states do and things to that effect. I doubt that 20-some uh, 20, 20 years ago
0: that person was a member of the cabinet. It's probably changed over the years, Right. Yeah, I,
1: I'm not sure if uh, they were always a member of the cabinet or not. I know the governor has uh, quite a few people on the cabinet, which I, I enjoy being able to interact with her.
0: Yeah, I bet. Uh, we're going to take a short break now. Our guest today is Jeff Kleins, Chief Information Officer for the state of South Dakota. You're listening to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is Jeff Kleins, Chief Information Officer for the state of South Dakota. Jeff, we were just talking about the CIO governance model, in particular in South Dakota. You being a member of the cabinet, which is uh, relatively unusual uh, across the country in terms of how many CIOs have that kind of uh, cabinet member position. Uh, you were sorry to also to talk about your organization itself. Tell us a little bit about your budget and, you know, staff and senior senior folks. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: So being a smaller state, um, I think our budget's a a little bit smaller and it it fluctuates from year to year. A lot of our uh, projects are funded differently from our core budgets. So we have about a uh, $60 million budget, a lot of our projects and operations are funded differently. That's not included in that number. We have a uh, leadership team that includes, you know, our development director and, you know, Telecommunications and services. and An interesting part of our team is the South Dakota Public Broadcasting. Also falls under the uh, Bureau of Information and Telecommunications. So we have the opportunity to work with the uh, Corporation of Public Broadcasting and others in, in that aspect of things as well, which is, I found very interesting when I joined.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Would you uh, Would you characterize South Dakota as a consolidated uh, IT governance model? or is it federated where the individual agencies still have a lot of IT staff and such?
1: It's definitely a consolidated model. Uh, we interact with the agencies, but uh, the IT staff are largely within.
0: Well, you've got all the things going for you. No wonder your job's so easy, Jeff.
1: <laughs> it's a lot of fun, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> and speaking of uh, the relationships and getting along and, and such, tell us about how you work. Uh, one of the things that I've I spend a lot of time with is dealing with uh, the CIO governance model. I certainly believe that having an executive champion, in your case, your governor, uh, it makes your environment makes for an, env- an environment for success. If you just have policy and don't have any operations, and you're two or three levels down the organization chart, everything you try to do is just so much more difficult. So you've got that lined up pretty nicely. With the tell us more about how you work with the governor and. I just imagine you've spent a lot of time, as as your colleagues have across the country, have spent a lot of time with their governors during this pandemic uh, that we're facing.
1: And this was one of the the, way, the reasons I really liked this job is you know the governor has been out there. One of her uh, priorities is cybersecurity. You know, both building the skill set out, but also positioning the state of South Dakota to be a leader in many areas in the cybersecurity world. You don't really see that a lot with uh, different elected officials where technology can be more of a burden than a a driver. So I really like working with Governor Nome. She's definitely passionate about leveraging technology to improve the services for the citizens of the state of South Dakota. So we've got projects lined up, you know, that we're really pushing on to help refine the the, uh, COVID pandemic has obviously put a little bit of a delay in a lot of those projects where they're on the back, back burner while we focus on, the response to the issues at hand, but I look forward to some of these projects, you know, the uh, centralized citizen portal where we can centralize a lot of the services and um, make it easier for people to interact with uh, various state agencies.
0: Yeah, why don't you tell me a little bit more about your current major IT initiatives, and I guess like everybody else, uh, you started a new fiscal year a few weeks ago. Tell us about the new things on the horizon.
1: A lot of the things right now are are very much focused on the COVID response. So there's obviously the initial response where you've got websites you stand up, you've got communications where we're getting out and make sure people have the information they need, Uh, a lot of work doing with the departments of health, things like that. But on the horizon, uh, a lot of big projects around uh, getting away from analog uh, telephone lines and uh, leveraging You know, VoIP solutions uh, like a Microsoft Teams and things looking to save some money there and also prepare for any other future pandemics or issues to allow people to work virtually or remotely um, a lot easier than they did Uh, looking at building new systems uh, like the uh, assistant portal that we mentioned and uh, other things just kind of modernizing or uh, doing some uh, transformation with some legacy technology trying to get away from those uh, technologies where the skill set to maintain and uh, run them as quickly vanishing as people uh, retire and get to enjoy the later part of their years.
0: Yeah. Uh, speaking of legacy systems, uh, a number of states had a big problems with the unemployment surge. How did, uh, how did South Dakota react to that? Did you have similar problems of the, the, the great numbers of new claims or were you able to handle it all right?
1: We were able to handle it all right. There were definitely the spikes. Um, there were definitely a surge. Um, it was an all-hands-on-deck um, type of approach. Uh, one thing I really like to see is you know, people were able to request, hey, we need some help addressing these, answering phone calls and stuff. And we were able able to come together, you know, various agencies, send people over to help answer the calls and help get the uh, forms filled out and processed and things like that. So. You didn't hear a lot about you know the unemployment issues in the state of South Dakota because really the, the team stepped up and helped each other and we were able to handle the surge well wow. well that's good because uh,
0: I, as I'm sure you know a lot of states had tremendous uh, uh, problems but then it's one of those it's one of those categories that certainly draws the attention of, uh, of elected officials across the board when their constituents are having these kind of problems so you know, it's, it's lucky that you're able to handle it. Anything else coming up? I mean, what about your other uh, large, your Medicaid claim systems and other things of the like? Uh, Do you still face the modernization tasks for these kind of legacy systems or have you got that mostly uh, under control?
1: Yeah, we definitely have the uh, opportunities ahead of us to look at modernizing those those, uh, type of applications. I personally think that's going to be one of the greatest values as we come out of COVID and we look back at the lessons learned look at ways that we can modernize systems. And I don't know if modernize is the right word, but really more of a transformational, where we take a look at the the current practices and the underlying technology, and really try to align the two to deliver faster, easier um, processes for the people that need it. So a lot more transparency in the processes as well.
0: Yeah, I know it'll be interesting. I actually had a couple conversations with the folks at the US Department of Labor, as you know, many of the social service-related IT projects in our states are, are funded to a great extent, 80%, 90% or more by the federal government. But the U.S. Department of Labor has never stepped up to do that directly like uh, Health and Human Services and other similar organizations have. And I was curious in my conversations with them during all these uh, pandemic uh, uh, laws and acts that are being instituted and discussed in Washington, or here in Washington, that if there was any uh, inclination for the Department of Labor to uh, kind of direct some kind of funding for state systems, while nothing, In a, obviously I didn't get any straight answers on that question, but they're thinking about it and it would be interesting to have something like that considering how, uh, how impactful that was for so many folks across the country.
1: That would be a very interesting discussion to be able to sit down. I- think it would be neat to see that type of leadership from the federal side to help uh, do this transformation.
0: Yeah, you know, I kind of was surprised in looking at it because I I was quite familiar with the role that uh, the feds played in our big uh, social service related uh, IT projects. Uh, For better, for worse, I should say, some of my worst headaches were uh, dealing with some of those big projects when I was CIO in California. But it would be nice to have some kind of program that would address certainly a, a big issue because, this, you know, the feds have a modernization program for IT. It's modest though. It's nothing like uh, what's really needed, but it, it is certainly a, it's right on the radar screen of, of state CIOs like yourself that are looking at these uh, legacy challenges. I want to talk a little bit again about your, um, your experience. As I said, Secretary of State in Illinois as CIO. And then your work in the private sector for a decade or more with the uh, American Heart Association. Uh, how did that experience inform your management style on becoming a, uh, a state CIO, Jeff?
1: My management style is uh, very much so uh, I love the theory of the servant leadership, um, being out there and leading by example and things like that. So I think the uh, experiences I have with the American Heart Association and others that are more service-oriented really led to uh, developing that perspective. I've worked with a lot of amazing leaders in uh, my career, and my hope is that I can live up to their, their examples and things over the years and really helping people learn and grow themselves as well, in the technology and personal and uh, just professional categories as well.
0: With that, we'll have to conclude our program today. I want to thank our guest, Jeff Kleins. Chief Information Officer from the state of South Dakota. Jeff, thanks for taking the time to be with us. It's very interesting. Thank you, John. appreciate the time. And thank all of you for listening. Content from this state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors as part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, Sled Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes
1: or Podcast One.